Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, when she was nine years old, she completely lost her voice and she found out she had nodules on her vocal cords. Working as hard as an athlete to get into the Olympics, this young girl didn't stop until she got her voice back. And luckily for all of us, she did all that and more. Welcome Beanie Feldstein to the podcast. A-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, while the producers were watching the dailies from Lady Bird, the scene in particular where the kids in the movie are rehearsing the musical Merrily We Roll Along, well, they realized maybe Beanie Feldstein would also be fantastic in the Broadway show they were producing, a little something called Hello Dolly. Well, the rest is history. They had her come in and sing. She got the part that same day and was absolutely extraordinary as Minnie Faye in Hello, Dolly! on Broadway. Welcome, Beanie Feldstein, to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. Hey, everyone. My guest today is Beanie Feldstein. Beanie stars in the smash hit film Lady Bird. Lady Bird is one of the best-reviewed films of all time, and audiences have fallen in love with Beanie's honest, heartbreaking, raw, and hilarious performance. A lover and performer of musical theater since she was a small child, Beanie made her Broadway debut in the role of Minnie Fay in the Tony Award-winning musical Hello, Dolly!, starring alongside the legend Bette Midler. Her other films include The Female Brain and Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising, Beanie's television credits include Fangirl, Orange is the New Black, and The Devil You Know, an HBO pilot directed by Gus Van Zandt. 
She is one of my favorite people on the planet, and I am so thrilled to welcome the extraordinary Beanie Feldstein to the podcast. Extraordinary. Beanie is the one who pointed out to me um, that that is a word I use a lot. And now whenever I'm in some situation where someone says, what's your favorite word? I didn't know I had one, but she has answered the question for me. It's so sweet. And it's the way you say it, too, that I just love so much. Well, You're Joe, from New Jersey, right? Yeah, except when I say extraordinary, it apparently. Sort of maybe Long Island? I'm not sure. Can you do it? Extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I listen religiously, and so I, I picked up on it over my time of listening. Well, it's funny because I didn't know that it was something I was using a lot. And then on Twitter, people started doing this thing where they did different spellings of how I say the word. Like if you sounded it out, how oh my a lot gosh. of stuff, there's a W I love that. in it. But this is a time that I use that word with no hyperbole. It is truly how I feel about you. And um, It's so the same. How did we meet? Through Ben Platt, Originally, the extraordinary Ben Platt. He is extraordinary with a W. <laughs> ben Platt with a W. Yes. That's how he spells it, the silent W. Yeah, and then when we met, I felt like you were a long-lost sister. Yeah, I felt mine. like meeting a family member I'd never met before. It's kind of a great feeling when that happens. Yeah. So... It is no secret, since this is not the first interview you've ever done, that you have loved performing and the world of musical theater in particular, but all performance and art since you were a really young person. Yes. Can you remember back to sort of the beginning of where this joy got lit up for you? Yes. Well, I was obsessed with Funny Girl at two years old. My mom loved Barbra Streisand. My parents loved musicals. They always showed me musicals, and then when I was older, would take me to see shows in New York, even though I'm from L.A. But I distinctly remember loving Funny Girl, like the way other kids would watch The Little Mermaid or, you know, Beauty and the Beast, which I also loved. Sure. But I was obsessed. I would watch it on repeat to the point where my third birthday was Our Funny Girl is Turning Three, and my mom made me a replica of Fanny Bryce's first costume, the leopard with the leopard hat. And I was obsessed. I would, like, run around my house screaming, don't rain on my parade, and people, and Sadie, Sadie, Mary, Lady. And I was just like, that was definitely the first musical that I loved, musical movie. And then when I was, I think, four, I went to this little kids center called Creative Kids that had all different sorts of, classes that you could take and I was in ballet and they had a little theater class and it was once a week and then after months and months you would put on a show and my mom and I went to see one and I was like I want to do that mm -hmm. sort of the wrench in all of that is that I had nodules as a kid did you know this no like at how old did they discover this well I like talked like this my whole upbringing they so you were like Brenda Vaccaro styles when you <laughs> I was like, don't tell me not to live. Just sit in butter, like, around my house. <laughs> and they were all like, Amy, that's perfect. <laughs> and my mom went to a psychic. She's very into that type of thing, which oh, I, I am it. too. I, I believe in it um, most of the time. And he said that I was going to be a singer. And my mom was like, she can barely talk. She's not going to be a singer. And that I would be going by a different name, which is obviously, at that point, was already true. 
but the psychic said you're going to be a singer and you were going to be going by a different name. Yes. So your birth certificate says Elizabeth Feldstein. There is no beanie on the birth no. certificate. Okay. But beanie came about very early, like four or five months old. So at that point, she was like, "Well, he's right about that." Mm, she has this other name, a stage name already. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I love doing these kids musicals, but I really couldn't sing much. Like it was very sweet and I tried but I I didn't I loved it and there was something there but I couldn't quite make sound and then at nine I completely lost my voice had like could barely speak at all and went back to the NT who knew I had nodules and he was like well if she wants to perform and sing we have to actually if she wants to speak out loud yeah (laughs) you know forget singing. we have to take care of this so luckily kids are really resilient and uh, heal very quickly. So I didn't need surgery or anything like that. But I went to speech therapy three times a week or four times a week and got a new voice teacher and just dedicated the so way you that... did not get surgery? No. So nodules can also be addressed through therapy? Yes. Okay. Speech therapy and vocal therapy through a singing teacher. Um, and do you remember sp- what they taught you to do or what the re kind of configuring of how you speak yes. was based on? Well, I have a very high speaking voice, but not naturally. So I was like speaky down here, which is so bad for your vocal cords. It just like so really adorable. I'm a little bit sad yeah, that that like isn't a, they had to fix it. But okay. Know, a two year old sounding like she's been smoking for I love fifty it. years. That's actually my thing. But yeah. <laughs> but I speak very high, which gets you like off your vocal cords. That was a main thing of just basically repitching my speaking voice. And yeah, there were many things, but that was really – I wrote my college essay about this. That was really the the moment or the sort of months that I realized that this is what I love so much because I was investing so much work into it. And right. I was pretty little. I was only like nine yeah. to be focused and working so hard at something. It's almost like, I don't know, if a little league pitcher broke his wrist and had to like – completely go to, through physical therapy or something to make sure he could pitch again. It was like it felt of, like that. Yeah, like I just I knew that this is what I wanted to do and I the thought of not singing was devastating. So it wasn't like you were this young girl and everyone was blown away by your singing really early on as much as a passion inside you for something that you actually couldn't do as well as you wanted because of this yeah issue. Yeah, I think I was very precocious, and I was definitely a presence on stage. So Beanie's brother is Jonah Hill, who's also an actor. And how old was Jonah when he started acting? Um, About 20 when he started doing professionally. Okay, so you weren't growing up in a house where parents were kind of driving one kid around to acting stuff, and it wasn't like that. No, I always did theater. My mom... She's my wonderful, amazing, hilarious, psychic, loving mom. Yes, Shay. She's the best in the world. She like would drive me across town in LA traffic for like four hours to get me to rehearsal. Okay. She was, she's the reason that I do this really. and have this passion. Were your parents performers as kids, or was that something they loved to do before they chose other professions? No, my mom is hysterical. Like, you guys have never met, have you? No, oh my which gosh. is really a Shonda, as my grandmother would say. <laughs> we need to make that happen. Okay. She I is... feel like I know her. I know. Totally. It's so true because you feel like family. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharon Feldstein, my amazing mom, is one of the most charismatic people you'll ever meet in your life. She 
takes over a room just so naturally. She just is hysterical and so confident and a huge presence. And my dad, their night and day, is the opposite. Little Richie Bear. He is like, he wears his pants up to his belly button. He's an accountant. They're so opposites personality-wise and interest-wise. And But my dad is a really beautiful, sweet voice. He loves to sing and play guitar. So I think it makes sense because I'm sort of a combination of the two of them in many ways. No, my dad loved to sing just like for my mom and with friends and stuff, but he was never going to be a singer at all. And my mom puts on a show every minute of every day. I can't even. I'm so sad she's not here, but we'll, oh, we'll rectify that. Be She'll be Definitely. here shortly. So you're doing the kind of creative kids yes. world. Yes. And then you continue doing it with a passion post-node therapy. Yeah. And then I started doing community theater in Santa Monica, this amazing community theater called the Morgan Wixon, where I met Anne Gessling, who is this woman who works at a law office during the day and then commits her entire life to this community theater outside of that. Yeah. She is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) She changed my life. She gave me parts I didn't deserve and believed in me and helped shape my voice after I was better and just really doing shows there, I think, took it to the next step. And then I was doing school theater. It's like everything led to the next type of type of thing. So I think a lot about confidence and where that comes from. And when you think about yourself growing up, would you describe yourself as a confident person? Yes. And do you have a sense of what that is or where that comes from? I wonder because I'm the only girl and I'm the youngest. So that somewhere in that maybe comes from that. I don't know. My parents have always been so supportive of me and really encouraging, and they both love theater, so they were so excited. And is theater and performing where that confidence came from? Do you think shining or sort of having this thing that made you feel special, or or were you just doing it? I don't know. I thought a lot about this, actually, when we were filming Lady Bird, because my character, Julie, is so sweet and shy and very much a wallflower and a listener and then she gets on stage and she doesn't discover this until her senior year of high school but she sort of finds this new confidence and I feel like it was sort of the first time that she had ever been seen Mm -hmm. but I don't think I'm like that I think that I'm seen in in as Beanie and you know I'm a very extroverted out there type of person so I'm not sure I think I think I just always knew that I loved it. And Mm -hmm. so it was always so fun. And I definitely felt supported and loved by my parents and my family, but also these incredible mentors that I met along the way, including Anne. And then at Harvard-Westlake, my high school, there's um, this incredible man there named Mr. Walsh, who sort of is the reason that all of us are from that school are so... I don't know what the right word is, but are doing what we love because Mm -hmm. he is just the most remarkable person and teacher and mentor. And so between the two of them, I just never felt like I couldn't do it. I always was sort of felt just naturally that I could do it, which is pretty amazing, actually. Absolutely I don't know if – looking back, I'm like, wow, I was just so sure. And now I'm like much more – anxiety-ridden than I was then. It's catching up with you now in some way. (laughs) So when you got to high school, 
that is where you met Ben. Yes. Or re-met Ben. Yes. So we met at a bat mitzvah. Like you do. Like you do when you're nice West L.A. Jews. Yes. Um, And we met and we talked about musicals all night. And we didn't, like, dance or do anything. Our parents were mad. Or his parents were mad. I don't think my parents were there. Because you were, like, tucked away in a corner. Yeah, we like... were, like, in the cocktail hour room, not in, like, the party room. <laughs> never moved you know it, what right? I mean? Yes. Um, we, like, went in to give our speeches to our friend Allie. And then we, like, came back out. We were just being antisocial, you know. Um, do you remember back then, like, what the musicals that you were intensely passionate about were? I or I don't I think remember. it was Rent something that you guys would have known yet or not yet? I think we probably did. I wonder, though, I wish I could have recorded, like, from the outside looking in that conversation because I remember, like, I have a flash of him in his little suit, like, seated, but I don't remember what we talked about. And then neither of us had cell phones, so we didn't keep in touch that way. We didn't really have any way of keeping in touch. And then on the first day of ninth grade, he joined my school because I was there for middle school. And... We were like, oh, my God, it's it's you from the Bal Mitzvah. And when's your lunch period? Seventh period. Mine was also seventh period. And then we ate lunch every day. And Done. Just were insta- instantly best friends. It was sort of just like felt soulmate-y in a sort of cosmic way. I just want to flash forward for one second. Because of the Dear Evan Hansen schedule and the Hello Dolly schedule, that I got to see you in Hello Dolly before Ben did. And... The night I saw it, I got out of the theater. I got to see you backstage yes. with Dominic. The two of us were like, what is happening? What 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 is happening? And I see that I have like one million missed calls from Ben who needed to hear like literally every single second. And he was like, just, it's amazing, right? I was like, I don't even think amazing begins to describe oh. it. But then he was just like... I could just I feel him through my cell phone, like, just wanting to feel moment by moment everything about it. And and we were kind of, like, just riffing on all the things that would happen for you, which, by the way, he oh. hadn't even seen it yet. But he's like, right, I know, right? It's like this, and it's like this. And I was like, yes. Because, it was killing him. That, yeah. I think it was maybe, like, two and a half months that we were open that he couldn't see Yes, it. but it was literally, I was like, gosh, I feel like I'm doing my best to download, like, moment by moment. But I've only seen it once, Ben. I so know. I feel like I kind of remember he's it. He's so good at that, too. That's, like, his, you know... He shines in so many ways. Yes. <laughs> but yes. he really knows how to break down a show. <laughs> exactly. And I felt like I did okay. I Good. did okay. But I was like, I'm the sure main takeaway is that it's kind of the most brilliant comedic performance on Broadway. So just let's just stop there. No. And for those who can come see it, they'll come see it and they'll know what I'm talking That's about. Very it. Kind. When you were in high school and beginning to apply for colleges, did you look for theater programs? Were you already like, I want to do this. This is I'm going to go to college, but when I get out of college, I'm going to be an actress. It's such a good question. Is we, it an extraordinary question? It's an extraordinary question. <laughs> um, it was sort of a long answer, so I apologize. But Harbor-Westlake is a very wonderful place. I had the best time. But academically, I was very up and down. It's a very rigorous school. And I sometimes applied myself, and sometimes I didn't. I would either like really try and put my all into it or I would just put my hands up and say this is too hard I'm not even going to try because then I sort of would protect myself from feeling the pain of trying and not succeeding after my sophomore year of high school where I didn't really try my junior and senior year I really applied myself and I was like I want to do this right what colleges would expect from you and was that in the kind of air around you in terms of what kids were doing or was it 
just for you. I think, you know, I think we definitely had a sense um, of what we were expected to or what college is expected of us. And that's definitely in talks at Harvard Westlake at that time. But I also think it was just timing wise, I was older, you know, and I was growing up and sort of figuring out what I wanted. And I think Ben always did well in school also, didn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's just so good at studying. Like, if he's like, well, I'll do chapter one through four tonight and then five, he would make, like, calendars. And I was like, oh, my God. But you like, only I, have to do two. I was like, but Why would what you about do more? Grey's Anatomy? Like, I just want to watch Grey's Anatomy. Um, You're not wrong. I know. Neither of you were wrong. No. It's Different so paths. True. True, totally. And, um, but my... My junior and my senior year, I really started to work hard, and it started to feel great. And I really started to fall back in love with academics after a brief period where I, I was sort of frustrated with myself. And so my parents and I went to look at a few BFA programs because that's what I had anticipated doing. And then we looked at a lot of small liberal arts schools that weren't specifically for theater but had a great arts opportunities on campus and were very filled with theater, just not necessarily to be a theater major. And I quickly realized that that was the path that I wanted to take. I was lucky enough to go to Stage Door Manor for seven years, the best. And I felt like my between my time there and doing community theater and school theater, not that I was fully trained by any means, I feel like you always have more to learn, but I felt like I needed to be around people that weren't doing theater. Uh I'm a very inquisitive person, and I love learning from the people around me. And so I wanted to be in an environment where people were learning and thinking about and were passionate about things, passionate about things that were completely different uh, than what I was doing. And so I ended up at Wesleyan, which is sort of the perfect place in that regard because it's wonderful and also very challenging academically but has an extraordinary um, art scene. I mean, it's where In the Heights started. and Because Lin-Manuel Miranda went there. Yes. Um, it's sort of our, a beautiful claim to fame now, which yeah. I love. People are always like, Hamilton. We're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the Hamilton University. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the film program is so vast. And it just was um, a really wonderful place that encourages participation in the arts in whatever capacity you want. Um, Did you know anyone who was also going? No. I knew no one. Uh, Maybe there were two girls from my high school who were going who I was friendly with but not close friends with. And I didn't have any family that went there or any, you know, older friends from my high school that had gone there. I really, looking back, knew not much about the school when I arrived. Again, it took some time for me to acclimate. And this is something that I really like to talk about with people that are going to college because it's so hard at the beginning, and no one talks about that. And So even though you'd had sleepaway camp experience, yeah. it felt very oh, different. I thought it was going to be a breeze. Like, yeah. I thought that I was going to – I never got homesick at camp. I loved being away. I was like, let's do this. Yeah. Like, let's do college. I'm going to the other side of the country. Yeah, and then I got there, and I was like, I don't know anybody. And I had the best roommate in the world. who was my roommate all four years, Gwen. She's the best. So that was a lucky accident, the way that placement happened. So lucky um, that we found each other. and uh, But I, I really struggled. And I think I'm not someone that subscribes to the uh, sort of ideal that 
college is the best four years of your life because I think it can be a really damaging mindset because... If it's not feeling that way, you feel terrible. Right. When you're in it, if it's not feeling that way, you feel terrible. And then if it does feel that way, when you leave, you're so devastated because you think your best years are behind you. Yeah. But that being said, after I sort of found my footing, I ended up having the best time and really finding myself academically and sort of exploring this side of my brain that I had never taken the time to expand and fill out. And I ended up being a sociology major, which was so important to who I am now and the way that I think. And it was very formative for me. And I, I'm very proud of myself for graduating. And um, what, How would you say sort of being a sociology major, what are the things that you kind of walk around in, and obviously, in some ways, it seems like what a perfect partnership for an actress, right, yeah. to have studied, you know, a lifetime of exploring the arts and then sociology, which is all about exploring humanity yes. in this other way. I, I've talked to a lot of friends who are history majors, and they're like, that's been amazing, too. I learned, oh, you know, sure. I was able to tap into so many characters I played yeah. with this greater understanding of what the world around them was at the time. So how do you walk through your day? What remnants of that study sort of is with you? I feel like just being at Wesleyan and then on top of that being a sociology major has just made me a much more engaged human in the world. And I grew up in a wonderful bubble like I couldn't have been in a better bubble but it was a bubble nonetheless and I think going to Wesleyan and being a social major really just sort of popped that bubble for me and made me see the world uh through different lenses mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you do as an actor obviously but I think what's wonderful about the combination of sociology and being an actor is that Soch is all about external factors. It's all about the institutions around us that we are a part of, that we have no control over. It's and it's not at all a personal perspective. And so then to have that external, more macro perspective and couple that with the personhood of whoever you're playing is sort of a nice, like, in and out, up and down sort of combination um, versus psychology, which would be, like, completely inward. Mm -hmm. um, Soch is... Is all about the things you can't control that you that you're very much living within a grid that you can't see, and it's sort of illuminating that. Uh, so I just think that it it's made me brighter and more engaged and just much more of a critical thinker than mm -hmm. I was growing up. So Stage Door Manor is this really famous theater camp. Yes, there are movies based on it, and there are communities of people that I meet who all know each other from Stage Door Manor. Some are still acting, some are doing other things in the business, and for some it's just a wonderful childhood passion yes. of theirs. Was it competitive when you were in there, or was it love and kumbaya, or, or sort of what's the whole of it? I think that it's both. I think it's an incredibly loving place. I'm still so close with uh, my best friends from from Stage Door, and I'm still very close with the people who run Stage Door, and they feel like ants or you know something like that. Do you have to um, audition to get into that camp? You don't. Okay. No. Um, it's a very small camp comparatively to some of the other camps. It's only about like 300 kids a session. You don't know what shows they're doing when you show up. You just audition. You do like your best 16 bars, and then they cast all the shows overnight, and then you have a cast list the next day. And everyone gets into a show, obviously. So everybody does, whether it's a small part or an ensemble, everyone gets to do something. Yes. That being said, it's a very competitive place. <laughs> I would be completely lying if I said that it wasn't. Because every single person is the big fish at their high school. 
it's a sea of big fish in a small pond. And is that the right expression? You get what I'm saying, I right? get what you're yeah, saying, okay. exactly. <laughs> like, Does that make sense? Um, it's every Well, single... I think in your high school, maybe you're the big fish in the small pond, and then you come to Stage Door, and it's kind of like a everybody. It's like a big a, fish right, squashed together right. in so a tank. So now who's that's the like, big fish? Yeah, exactly. And did people become big fish? Like, were there stars like, oh, oh yes. Gail's going to get that part, because she always does, or whatever. Totally. And um, I started going at a um, third session, which is known to be the more relaxed session at Sage Manor. So I didn't have a full sense of this until I, until I started going to the the earlier sessions, first and second session. You're like, this is intense. I was like, whoa, like we're in a different <laughs> world. Like I'm a third Z and this is cookie. Um, and I didn't. No one sleeps here. Right. <laughs> Truly. It's definitely a competitive place. And I think I didn't really, I was in sort of the younger kids, kiddie shows my first two years. But then I had years of just sort of floundering. I didn't really get a part until my fifth summer. But you kept going back. Yes, because I I loved it. It couldn't have been more fun. And I mean, you walk in on the first day and there's just people playing different show tunes, just like everyone's belting. Everyone knows every word. Yeah. It's just... It's Broadway con all oh, summer. Oh, totally. Yeah. I was lucky enough to grow up around people that loved theater. And then obviously once I met Ben and, and all of our friends from high school, I was completely immersed into a group of people that love theater. But... Even with that, it was so wonderful to be in a place where, like, everyone knows every word to company. You know what I mean? And so I can imagine for those that maybe didn't have as much of that support in their hometowns, it's just like a haven and a safe space for people like that. Have you auditioned professionally before you went off to college? Had you begun a professional career? Yes. I did a professional production of Annie in L.A. when I was 10 years old. I've not heard of Annie. Is that a show? (laughs) Is that a popular musical? Um, So they say. (laughs) The sun will come out. I was Kate, the orphan who holds out the dead mouse. Um, I was the only Jewish person in the entire production. And it was the the weekend of Easter was also Passover. And I won the Easter egg hunt and everyone was really mad because I was like... Beanie won. Feldstein like, won. Oh, God. Beginner's luck. Yeah. I was like, this is so fun. <laughs> wow. Everything's so colorful. Well, um, just to talk about that for a second, when it sounds like you grew up, when you call it a bubble, like in a pretty Jewish community or a world in which it wouldn't have been odd. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, growing up in West L.A. and then going to beautiful, vibrant private schools, um, a lot of them are filled with Jews. <laughs> was your family religious at all or traditional at all? Um, not so much. I think we're very culturally Jewish, but... Um, so you I mean, went to other people's bar and bought mitzvahs? No, I had You my had own. one yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. I, went, I went to Hebrew school, and we belonged to a Reformed temple during my childhood. Um, did you have a bat mitzvah theme? I did. It was not Broadway. I was very clear about that. I was like, everyone's going to expect me to do Broadway, yeah. and it will not be we're Broadway. We're going to wow them. It was vintage New York. (laughs) What does that mean? Like flappers and... Sort of, yeah. Like it was like when you... It had like tastes of theater and like the theater scene, but it wasn't strictly Broadway. Okay. Vintage New York. Yes. So there was like you put Western unions, you'd write like a message to me and put them on like a dressing room mirror when you arrived. (laughs) A little theater. A little theater like taste, but no reference to any specific shows. Okay. And then there was like a top hat and some roses on the table. (laughs) 
That's beautiful. Yeah. But but Kate was the only Jew in the cast of Annie. Yes, yes. It was very it was funny. Actually, um it was in Anaheim. It was just like such a different world for me. I actually think it was it was sort of eye opening for me. It tend to be like, wow, it's maybe I'm not like these girls in some way. And you know, like that was sort of the first experience and I'm very lucky that it was only the first experience where I was like, oh, I'm a little bit different. Because they just had no understanding of what being Jewish meant. So in that way. Yeah. They like just, you were exotic to them. Yeah, which is like so interesting. Yeah. How in some communities being Jewish feels completely assimilated. And then in communities that are not too far out of where I grew up, it just felt like I was completely like a fish out of water. But at that point, you had said to your parents, like, I want to do this, not just in school or creative kids. And they said, OK. Yes. The way I got that show was pretty hilarious, actually. So I had uh, best friends from the community theater where we performed, and they did wonderful youth musicals. And they were both redheads, their sisters. And they were like, their mom saw this audition that they were doing Annie. And they lived really far away from us. And so my mom was like, as a play date, let's all meet at the audition. I love it. I love <laughs> Which it. Which is so crazy. Plus the psychic said. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, my mom and I were like, LOL. Like, they're going to get the One of them is going to get it because they're yeah. redheaded and both so talented. And lo and behold, somehow I ended up being And neither played. of them got in it? No. Or you, did you stay friends after yes, that? Yes, we were or was still very good uncomfortable? family friends. No, okay. no, no. It worked out. Yeah. So you started to do professionally. Yes. But my parents were very specific about me never doing film or television. They were open to me auditioning for as much theater as I wanted in New York and in L.A., but they just didn't want me to end up on a show or be pulled out of school just because... I really enjoyed school, mm-hmm. and they saw that in me. It wasn't like some, some sort of rule that they stuck to because they sort of felt this like it was the right thing to do. philosophy about child actors. Right. They just saw how much I enjoyed school, and that school was sort of uh, an integral part of who I am. Something I really love about my parents and the way that they parented is that they parented each of us differently, and obviously – Part of that comes with that they were 22 when they had my brother and 38 when they had me. But I think also they just see us each as individuals and one rule will work for one kid and it won't work for another kid. And I always really respected that. Like my brothers are not particularly academic and they didn't push them to Mm -hmm. be something that they weren't. And in different ways for me, they didn't push me into sports, you know, whatever it was. But they did see that I love school in a way different from my brothers. And so they were like, you need to do something that keeps you in school. And theater, even if I didn't, <laughs> P.S., but even if I had gotten a Broadway show or something, you outgrow it in about four months, five months when you're a kid. So they didn't, they weren't too concerned about that. And it doesn't change your, like, ability to walk down the street mm-hmm. the way that, like, being on the Disney Channel obviously would. And I really appreciate that looking back. I think it was a really beautiful decision for me. Mm-hmm. Once again, I think, you know, some of the people I admire most in my life and that I love the most, like Sir Sharonin, are have worked their whole life. And I, it's not like that I think that way for everyone. But for me, it was the right move for me, if that makes sense. So when you got out of school and this opportunity to audition for Neighbors yes. came across your Email? Desk, your social <laughs> your social papers that yes. you cast aside for a minute to work on. Was that um, your first big 
studio movie audition? That's a good question. I don't know the answer. I think probably I had auditioned for many before. A little bit before that. Yeah. So I had an agent um, going into college and during my adolescence, but again, it was just for theater mostly. And then when I got to Connecticut, it was much closer to New York. I started auditioning more, then realized that it was taking me away from school in a way that I didn't love. So I really made the decision to put auditioning on the back burner. And once I started doing that, I had the best time at Wesleyan, mm-hmm. and it was definitely the right move. But then my senior year, I was like, I should maybe move it to the front burner because yeah. I have to start working when I get out of school. So I only really auditioned my senior year of college. The way that other people would go on med school interviews. Right. I, you know, come come to the city and yeah. audition. How did you get that part? I got an email uh, for a self-tape request for the movie. And I, I knew that a tape for this type of film was not the move because these guys and the way that they work and the way that they write is so spontaneous and on the fly and very much rooted in improv and mm-hmm. and them pitching jokes to you in the moment and everything is very fluid. And so to send a static tape that is sort right. of like, this is my performance in this movie, I knew was not it just didn't gel with the material. Right. And so I got on the phone with my uh, manager, and they were like, well, you could fly in to audition in L.A. They'd be happy to, but you would have to fly in. And I made the decision to do it because I was like... If I want this, I need to be in the room yeah. where it happened. <laughs> yes. Uh, go west. And um, <laughs> I... So I flew to L.A., and I auditioned for the guys, and I will never forget... Evan Goldberg and I think Seth. Seth Rogen. Yes, Seth Rogen. They were both seated on the floor. There were so many of them in the room. It was like Evan and Seth on the floor and then Nick Stoller, our incredible director, and James Weaver. And and then Francina, the wonderful casting director, was reading with me. And it was so fun. It was just fun. They're so fun and so smart. Did you know those guys at all before? Were they friends of your brothers? Were they around or were you? They're definitely friends of my brothers. So it was a friendly room. Yes, but I had never met Nick. I never met Seth or James. I had met Evan once or twice um, during like, I don't even remember when. Something with Jonah. Um, But you know, it's completely different when you're like 13 totally. versus like 23 right. coming in and being like this or Beanie's time, grown 22. up, hasn't she? Yeah. yeah um, you know, coming in and being like, I'm a I'm a human now. <laughs> and did that happen? And you obviously, spoiler alert, you got it. <laughs> yes. Did that was that when college was done, or did you do that movie during school? When I was finished. It was about okay. my audition was July after I graduated. So in July after you graduate from college, you get a movie. Yeah, it was insane. I was babysitting when I got the part, and so I got the call, and I was like, hello. And they were like, why are you whispering? And I was like, because I just put a one-year-old to sleep, and I don't care what you have to say. I will not wake her up. You're a good babysitter. I I have to say, not to brag, yeah. I'm an incredible babysitter. That's really good to know. I think it's like I truly like could have been a professional nanny. Like That was what I was planning. Like That's my day job. That was your backup. Yes. It's, no, it's true. I'm an inc- I'm an incredible nanny. All right, so you're whispering <laughs> not to wake the child. Yes, and, and you're told I'm told that you're going to play the part of Nora, and I was like, Nora's not in the script, right? And they were like, they're writing a third sorority girl. They're changing things around, and again, like I knew that that stuff like that's possible with those guys because they're so 
quick in the way that they think and add. And I know, but it happened to you. I know. <laughs> and I, you know, and they were like, you're flying to L.A. tomorrow for the table read or the next well, day. And it I depends like, on the baby's nap schedule. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, she needs her applesauce at that time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I flew out to L.A. and I was doing this table read. For me, the biggest, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here was Rose Byrne because mm-hmm. I am the biggest bridesmaids fan under the sun. And like she, you're like Rose, I know every line. Every like I could do a frame by frame of her performance and um Sersha and I are obsessed with it. We would just like quote it to each other all day long. So that was part of your bonding oh, 100%, on Baby Bird. 100%. So thank you Rose and Bridesmaids yes. yet again. So we're fast forwarding a little bit. Yes. Um I want you and Rose and Sersha to do who something together and I'd like to just sidebar that for oh, a minute. My gosh. Let's make that happen. Please let's put that into the world. I also have this dream of Sersha and I playing a young Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Sure. That's like my like my if I could think of one dream in my life. I about feel myself. like yeah. Not like for the world. I have many dreams for the world that need to come true. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And society. Politically but, it might not yes. help, but um, um but professionally, personally. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. So Obviously, suddenly you kind of break through. You're hilarious in the movie, and you don't seem like someone who's never been in a big movie before. You are Thank hilarious you. and charming. I and literally break through when you literally, <laughs> and you're also like you're very beloved. Like you're immediately very beloved in every community that you work in Thank and you. work on. It's just true. Like you can hear anytime other people are interviewed about you they say what I say which is like you're the most lovable warm generous human on the planet I'm gonna cry coming from the most loving human on the planet well we're family when you read Greta Gerwig's film script for Lady Bird I just saw uh, a bunch of interviews and Tracy Letts um, the magnificent actor and playwright himself talked about how it was on the page And so, not to take away anyone's brilliant performances, but what an incredible blueprint to start with for you guys. I want to talk to you a little bit about process. How do you approach a script? And obviously, Lady Bird is very different from Hello, Dolly. But when you got Greta's script and all the excitement of the possibility, and and for all of us, Frances Ha and her movies have been so poignant and seminal for yes. for our generation of, you know, people living on this planet while she makes movies and the one she wrote with Noah Baumbach are incredible. Yeah. How did you work on the part of Julie? As you said, uh, that Tracy said, the script itself, and not just Julie, but the entire screenplay was captivating. I literally just got chills thinking about when I read it for the first time, and it makes me, like, so emotional. Reading that first scene of uh, Lady Bird and her mother, Sersha and Laurie Metcalf, in the car, I felt like I was reading a version of humanity that I had never read before, that it felt so honest. You know, I grew up in L.A. I spent a lot of time in the car with my mom. <laughs> like, girls fight like that. Women, mothers and daughters, they fight like that. And also the scene where they're shopping and so frustrated with one another and then they find the perfect dress and it turns and you can be saying you know hard very cruel things to each other and then just be so in love with each other the next minute and I felt like I was reading so just instantly with that relationship I was really felt oh my I was so moved and taken and then I got to Julie and I was so just 
it felt so instantly mine. Not that I thought I would get it because I never in a million years thought mm-hmm. I would get it. But I knew her. Mm-hmm. And she's not me. She's really not. I'm. She's just much more introspective than I am. You don't go that dark. No. Yeah. I, I actually thought about this a lot. And I think when people get upset, there are sort of three major camps that they can go into, which is like pure sadness, anger, and anxiety. I feel like those are sort of like three camps. And Julie is completely someone that is sad. Like that is her dark place mm. is sadness. And, and she had reason to be sad. Definitely. I mean, there were things in her personal life that yeah, were really sad. You know, her dad is gone and the boyfriend might be gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Her Uncle, mom's boyfriend. Uncle Matt. I mean, yeah. Oh, sweet Uncle Matt. I yeah. love Andy Buckley, the actor who plays Uncle Matt. And he, we have the relationship of Julie and Uncle Matt. Like, he called me the other day and he was like, I'm just in the carpool line waiting for my kids. And I thought I'd say hi. I'm like, hi, how are you? He's the sweetest man you'll ever meet. That's nice. So nice. Um, But yeah, there's a lot, you know, there for Julie. And then especially at that moment where you see her that way, she's missing her person so much she's missing ladybird so much but as beanie i'm not sad my my dark place isn't sadness it's definitely anger or anxiety um i think when i was younger it was anger and now it's turned more to anxiety but that great was, yeah yay um <laughs> hello 20 <laughs> yeah so true um but uh i you know she's she's not me but she's sort of this like sliver of my personality that I understood so fully and just the way I've I've read a lot of best friend characters I've been in for a lot of best friend characters in my life and seen many movies and, and you're TV a great shows. best friend yes and by I the love way. playing the best friends it's always something very exciting for me um to get that but the way that Greta captured this friendship was so moving it felt like what being a friend feels like and I just had never seen it or read it this way and it's like embarrassing how emotional I'm getting right now but it's it well just, why is that I think because I just can't believe I'm in it to this mm-hmm. day like I filmed it over a year ago I got the part April 2016 I still till my last day will not believe I got the privilege of being in this movie I love it so much it's like my favorite movie I've ever seen and yet somehow I'm in it simultaneously yeah. and I just feel so privileged to know these people and to be in this company of actors and Greta and our designers and just everyone that was involved loved it so much and put so much into it. And So I, you didn't know Sarsha before? No. Did you read with her at the audition? No, I read with Greta. Greta read Lady Bird and I read Julie. Yeah. And you just read... I went in and I auditioned. Did you know it by heart? Were you reading from the page? What was the... I usually like to know it by heart but hold the page. Mm-hmm. Just... Well, just as you to hold. You also can see me at, right now. Uh, you guys listening can't, but I... Uh, there's a lot of hand There's some gesticulating. There's a lot of hands, um, which is actually something Greta and I share. We, we always, like... She always does this, like, beautiful, funny little finger point thing. We're, we talk with our hands, kind of girls. But, uh... I like to hold something just to really focus up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> focus up the hands. Yeah. But I remember just Greta is so, and after working with her, I, she's so precise in tone and tempo and pitch even that I ha- it was such a privilege to get to read 
with her as Lady Bird because I and I said I remember saying this to myself before I went in I was like just listen and respond were there other actresses there when you were reading in like the waiting yeah. room yes yeah yeah there was a whole you know room full of people of Julie's or all sorts of parts of Julie's okay. yeah because Saoirse was already attached to it yes okay yes um had been for a while and I just never thought I'd ever get it but I was like what a great day to get to read with Greta Gerwig like who you just love so much and I can't wait to see her directorial debut like that was really yeah. what was going through my head and I dress like a Catholic schoolgirl anyway so I just like dress like <laughs> you know I normally do and but I, I said to myself just listen and respond because you are Julie in some way like I just knew her and we had such a beautiful time and in the room together and had this conversation that I remember very distinctly about how Lady Bird and Julie sort of enter into this dream world together, like the scene where they're staring at the house and sort of imagining what their life could be. And then even in a more bright scene, like the one where they're eating the wafers on the floor, which so is my favorite scene, it's still sort of this safe space that they are in together. That scene, by the way, that of course is the best love scene anyone's ever seen in a film ever, did that was that born out of like between takes you guys would lie on the floor and giggle or was that actually stage directed by Greta that you would be lying on the floor eating those wafers? Everything you see in the film was on the page. Okay. Greta is not someone that does improv at all on her set and in that way it's it felt comfortable for me because it feels like theater. It's like the words are the words and you don't go outside of the words. Um, that was my one of my audition scenes. And it said they are lying on the floor eating communion wafers and wow. everything was in there. I think the way that Saoirse and I make each other laugh. <laughs> is unique to you and Saoirse. Yeah. So you audition with Greta. Yes. You find out you got this part. Yes. Shortly thereafter or is it a long wait? Um, so I found out in April and then Greta had some of us over to her apartment in New York. Um, like her and I had been talking in between of, about the role, but the first time I met Sersha and Lori and Lukey was in... Lukey Hedges. Lukey Hedges. Um, sweet, sweet Lukey. And Lori, who I did not know was going to be there, and my knees buckled when yeah. I walked in. Well, these theater legends, oh it's God. very intimidating. Yes, and as someone that grew up in theater and, you know... Ben and I went to see August Osage County together in ninth grade during our spring break. Like, first of all, that's the type of kids that we right. were. But second Weirdos. of all, we got the privilege of doing that. And yeah. third, that, you know, standing next to Tracy Letts and Lori Metcalf, it was just like, oh, my God. Otherworldly. Um, so I walk into Greta's apartment to have bagels and locks. It was like we we ran the lines a bit, but it was mostly just get to know each other. I walk in and search jumps into my arm. She's like, Beanie, I'm so happy to meet you in her adorable Irish accent. And I was just, she instantly puts everyone around her at ease. She's so effervescent and charming. Are you guys the same age? Delicious. She's about six months younger than me. Okay. A little bit more. But around the same age. Mm -hmm, Yeah. But I was so nervous. She's like, well, how many times have I mean I think I saw Brooklyn six I saw, times? I saw it three times. I saw it three <laughs> I times. I had the screener, so I watched it a lot. I saw it three times, found out I got the part and was like, Bean, you're cut off. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, like, this is not gonna be like Bridesmaids where no. I can only do Brooklyn lines to yeah. her. Right. Um, but she's just the most talented actress maybe ever. Like so I don't watching Lori Metcalf, Tracy Letts 
Lois Smith, by the way, not for nothing. The queen. The queen. Lucas and you, among others, just an incredible ensemble. Was there process involved that you saw on the day, or did everyone just come in? Was there rehearsal? Was there improv of scenes before you shot them as written? How were relationships built that you could see? Greta would have us over in different pairings to her apartment um, in New York, and then when we moved uh, out to officially start production in L.A., uh, in L.A., um, so Sersh and I would go in together, and then uh, Sersh and Lucas, and, and in different pairings, and mostly with the younger cast, I think, just to get us all comfortable with each other, and we would come in and work on the scenes But then also we would just talk and get to know each other because so much of, especially, a friendship. Is this friendship based on real people? No. What I always like to say is Greta always says that it rhymes with the truth. Mm -hmm. That the film, nothing that happens in the film actually happened in real life. But it's evocative of her her Exactly. And no one really existed, but it's truthful nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And so I always say that sort of the connective tissue between people is real, but the individuals are completely fabricated and crafted and are fictional characters. Um, but I, yeah, so we would we would read the lines and we would have dance parties. There was a lot of music involved, both written into the script and also doing a musical in the film. And then... Greta would always have music playing on set. She would make a playlist uh, for the day and and know what songs were going to bring up which moods. And, wow, I love that. Yeah, even everything from, like, just at school during those classroom scenes to the prom was obviously an incredible playlist. And, and she, then you have Merrily Roll on the, yes, the actual show within the show. Absolutely, which was truly a dream come true for me. I'm reading the script for the first time, and I'm like, oh, there's a Sondheim musical in the I'm middle in. of this? Like, I'm in. <laughs> I can't handle this emotionally. All right. Well, speaking of musicals, Scott Rudin produced Lady Bird. Yes. Scott Rudin and his producing partner, as the legend goes, uh, were getting ready to produce and cast Minnie Fay in Hello, Dolly! on Broadway. Yes. And I have heard tell that they saw your dailies and thought this might be a great idea for Minnie Fay. Is that apocryphal or is that a true that story? Is, that's true, yes. So um, my character Julie in Lady Bird gets cast as Mary Flynn in Merrily We Roll Along. And so we were rehearsing for the musical, which was another way that we bonded immensely. Because sure, rehearsing any musical, even one that's within a movie, yes. is, you know, definitely a bonding moment. Um but I sing in in the film, and so Eli Bush, uh, Scott's producing partner, was on set with us, and Scott was watching the dailies, and they still had not found a mini Faye, and they thought maybe we should have Beanie audition. So I was in L.A. literally the day after we finished all of the musical components for Lady Bird. That's a wrap on Merrily We Roll Exactly. Um, and the auditions and, and all the rehearsals. So great. I went in in Los Angeles into a studio that was me, a casting director from Telsey, who cast Hello Dolly, and they, I think pretty recently, had opened an, opened an office in L.A., so yes. that was serendipitous for yeah. me, and an accompanist. So it was just the three of us in a room, and I did the mini Faye packet, which was the monologue and the hat shop scene and elegance, and I found out that day that I got the part. Which still is, again, it's one of those things that's like, I will never believe it. Like, it will never feel like 
I will never like, never accept that I was able to do that, and that is my life. Was that a joyous rehearsal experience? It was incredible. Bette Midler, David Hyde Pierce, Kate Baldwin, Gavin Creel. So they couldn't get any talented yeah, people. It, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's like, Thank God they had. It's you. Each one of them is a legend in their own right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Bette, I was actually on Voice Rest like two years ago, and my mom had gotten me tickets for her and I to go see Bet at the Barclays. And I went on voice rest and just like silently clapped for her. And I was like crying when she did. I put a spell on you. Like, Bet has always meant a lot to me. And now, obviously, means a lot to me in such a different way of getting to know her. In and, this really human way. Yeah. And Bet is the most hardworking human being you'll ever meet. She never sits down, she's constantly working. She's, I mean, she's pee your pants funny. Like, she's like, you I mean, can't. mean, as a human to hang out with. Oh, yeah. Not just in the show, because she's hilarious oh, in the show. and no, but and moving in the show. But always. Yeah. She is, like, to the point where I, like, need my inhaler. So funny. And then there's David Pierce, who might be the best human to exist on planet Earth. Like, I will be going through my life and have, like, be at a crossroads and be like, what would David do mm-hmm. in this situation? He's the most generous, kind human. And then Kate and Gavin and Taylor Trench, who have become my family. And I, like, actually can't imagine my life without them. I love them so much. And so that rehearsal process was once in a lifetime for me. I mean, you'll never, you only make your Broadway debut once. Yeah. And you only make your Broadway debut with Bette Midler and David Hyde Pierce. Three times. Once. Three times with them. (laughs) So do you feel like, I got this, I know who Minnie Faye is, it's one of the greatest entrances I've ever seen, and you have figured out exactly how to do it and the timing and, and the confusion about who the audience is, is you know, um, responding to and how you, you kind of finessed all of that. I don't want to give it away. I have to say, but... it's all Jerry Zachs. Yeah. He is a master. He is just remarkable, and he knows... Hello, Dolly, in his bones. He's loved it since he was a kid. He would watch it standing room over and over growing up. And he did, he like worked on it in college. And he just, it was so wonderful to be with him because I just knew that he knew what what Minnie was and who she was. And And that's how you handled not yet being at that level on Broadway. I mean, when you describe the cast, it might have been very intimidating for someone. And someone could mess with their own heads if they wanted to in that company. So how did you hold on to yourself? I think I just I just knew I was being held up by the most talented humans working on Broadway. And they made you feel like you are with us and we've got this together. Yes. And I, I it again, <laughs> I could cry like 17 times in our interview. <laughs> we have tissues. It's okay. <laughs> but to be supported by these people and not and that includes our extraordinary creative team in every capacity our Warren Carlyle our choreographer Andy Einhorn our assistant choreographer our associate choreographer like every single person and then every person in the cast as well and yeah and it's such they, a beautiful ensemble oh my god they are the most talented yeah. humans ever and so experienced and just gorgeous in every sense of the word and so to be held up by all of those people is um, something I will I will never, ever take for granted and feels like um, 
otherworldly in a sense. Do you have specific rituals that you do every night? And if something isn't done the way it's meant to, you get anxious about it? Or are you pretty relaxed at this point having done it Take for so Take a while, Gasol. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just speak to what some of the things are that must happen before a show well, for Minnie Faye to appear in well, front of us? What's funny is it, it didn't, it's not just for theater. I also, like, Greta made me a playlist for Julie that I listened to religiously, and I would not be able to, like, step foot on set if I hadn't finished the playlist from start to finish and reread the scenes a certain amount of time. Like, I... Have... So the OCD kicked yes. in just the perfect way. <laughs> it was, it's always been that way with me. Um, but I have two warm-ups that I do. One in the morning um, that the incredible Liz Kaplan crafted for me, and then one right before the show that the incredible Kate Wilson crafted for me, who is a... Uh, I don't know her exact title. I don't want to get it wrong. But she's like a voice and dialect coach at Juilliard that I had the opportunity of working with to work on mini. So between those two, I always do those warm-ups. But there's like a thousand things. I always have to like Melanie Moore, who's one of my delicious dressing roommates. We always have like a thing we say to each other. I just have like there's so many. (laughs) But they change from part to part. Yes, but they it's always been there. It's not just um, Broadway, but it's its something that I sort of have always done. I can't even believe you're here right now. I know. It's, I can't I was believe like, you're here. I sort in of my... like locked into like interview, but then I was like, oh my God, it's Alana. Like it's little known facts. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, Beanie. Yes. This won't be the only time you're on the show. Oh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. But for all of us uh, on the planet, living at the same time as you, it's kind of the best thing that's happened to us. Oh, my and God. It's hard to imagine life before Beanie Feldstein. I'm so glad I don't have to imagine it without you. Never. I, um, I really love you. I love you a lot. And thank you for coming on the show today. It's been amazing. I am so happy to be here. We did it. <laughs> Hey guys, are you free on April 8th in New York City, the greatest city in the world? Well, if you are, I hope you'll join me for my first live event. I'm hosting my podcast at NYC PodFest, an amazing festival filled with incredible podcasts, all of the hosts of these other shows I've admired and have inspired me. So to be asked to join is a great honor. And for the meta of it all, John Slattery of Mad Men fame is going to be my guest. John was my first guest on this podcast, and it just seemed fitting that he would be my guest for my first live event. So April 8th, nycpodfest.com slash tickets is how you get tickets. They're only 10 bucks, and all the proceeds from my specific show I'm donating to The Trevor Project, an organization I admire so much for their incredible work. So join me and John Slattery on April 8th, 2018 at 6.30 in the evening. Go to nycpodfest.com slash tickets for tickets and more information. Dress up. I'm going to dress up. Should we do a black tie? Hmm, maybe. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com.
I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post-production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc.